Am I living completely for Christ within the body of Christ? Am I actually using whatever giftedness I have to serve the body of Christ? Am I making disciples? As you know, we were making our way through James. We're not going to be in James this morning. Let's put on hold for a bit. I just thought, you know, be, we'll go somewhere else this morning. I think we're living in a time where joy seems to be foreign. Joy is really uh, something that's circumstantial. And joy, because of that, it's a concern. If there is no joy in the church, where's the health of the church? How can, how can the church be healthy without being joyful? How can this happen? It's easy. Complacency within the body of Christ. Laziness. The cares of the world. Being satisfied. Ticking the box. Coming just on a Sunday. Be the last one in and the first one out. How desire ought to be to grow in Christ-likeness and to grow in Christ-likeness and to grow together, there must be joy. And this is where it becomes healthy. Now, we understand that there are times where spiritual growth is, is limited and joyful is limited because of family persecution and, and illnesses and things like this. But nevertheless, if you belong to the body of Christ here, Saving Grace Bible Church, it is going to affect the body. It's going to affect your brothers and sisters around you. And sometimes, l- let me encourage you. And perhaps if you are having troubles and you're staying home and you don't feel joy, what better place to come than to be joyful with your brethren and to grow together with your brethren? We need to go back to the roots of what true biblical joy really is and what makes a healthy church. If I know you, brothers and sisters, I do know this, that your desire will be to become healthy, spiritually speaking, of course, that we may have joy. And so I thought it would, be, it would be nice to do maybe a little series there in one of Paul's prison epistle, which is Philippians, the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have iPads, you can scroll. Turn to Philippians, where the dominant theme there in the book of Philippians, written by our brother an apostle Paul who was in chain in a Roman uh, under, under house arrest, the dominant theme there is joy. In chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice. This is a present active imperative. What does that mean? It is a command that it is actually an ongoing command. We don't often speak about that. We don't often say, we are commanded to be joyful. But we are. In actual fact, he tells us how to be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord. The focus is the Lord. The joy comes from the Lord and no other. And so he's saying, I'm commanding you to ongoing be rejoicing in the Lord and in case we didn't understand the Apostle Paul who by the way if he was to if we were to be joyful in circumstances then Paul is crazy he he is in prison and yet he says rejoice in the Lord always not just sometimes not every now and then in actual fact if we didn't get it I say it again, rejoice. I feel like God is really telling us, I don't know, to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord. And this letter that he has written, why will this letter make people rejoice? It is because it's Christ-centered. It is gospel-focused. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to have a joyful and healthy church, brethren. It begins with Christ. Not circumstances, not things around us. Let's understand this. Keep in mind that Paul is in prison. 
And we can see that from the very beginning of this letter. I'll give you some, just some snippets before we look at these couple of verses. In the opening verse, Paul says that he and Timothy are servants of Christ. In verse 1, he says, to the saints in Christ. And verse 2, it says that security, and it says that grace, forgive me, and the peace of God is from Christ. It flows from Christ. At chapter 1, verse 6, the assurance and the security that we may have is in Christ. Paul's affection and Paul's joy for these brethren was because of Christ in verse 8 of chapter 1. Paul is trying to encourage them to be joyful until Christ returns. And Paul wants to encourage this church to live righteously because of Christ. That is joy. Paul wants to encourage the church not to be concerned about him. He's saying, you want to suffer, suffer well. Suffer joyfully for Christ. He prays joyfully for his brethren. He lives joyfully. And then he reminds the brethren, Christ humbled himself and he served us. And the scripture tells us in Hebrew that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. We got it all confused what joy really is. We want to purchase a new phone. We want to purchase this. We want to have finances. That is not the joy of the gospel. That is not the joy of this letter. And Paul wants to encourage the believers who are close to his heart to understand that what is happening to him is not a bad thing. It's not. It's actually a good thing. He says in chapter 2, verse 17 to 18, But even if I've been poured out as a drink offering upon a sacrifice and service of your faith, watch what he says. I rejoice. In actual fact, I rejoice, he says, and I share my joy with you all. You too, I, I say to you, rejoice in the same way. And share the joy with me. There is joy and joy and joy and joy. And here's this apostle who is in prison. And everyone will go, well, poor guy. He's in prison. Well, you get put in prison. I will just pray for him. No, he says, I want you to rejoice. I'm going to encourage you to rejoice with me. because. God used me to further his kingdom to the whole imperial God. Paul wants this church to be joyful in prayer. He wants this church to have the same heart as him. He has affection for them. He wants this church to trust God and to be joyful in him and to be courageous in the faith. And Paul's desire for this church, this church was not perfect. They had problems. But he's saying strive together for the unity. Listen, you talk about unity. If you want unity, it begins with the joy of the Lord. If we want Saving Grace Bible Church to be healthy and to be joyful, it must begin with the joy of the Lord. And his desire is that they will live in a free anxiety life. Be anxious for nothing, but be joyful. Under persecution, be joyful. Brothers and sisters, let us not be robbed of the joy that we can have in Christ because of circumstances, because of whatever's happening out there. We won't go there today. Don't be robbed of the joy that you can have in Christ. Paul's desire is for this church to be joyful so that they may be healthy. So it will do well for us just to have a little bit of a background on the Apostle Paul, who had a vision. Uh, God sent him on his second missionary journey to Macedonia, where Philippi is actually a city there. And Paul went there, he preached the gospel, he found the church there. Um, 
and there we see the first few um, converts. One of them was Lydia, not Wes's Lydia. Um, she was converted a couple of thousand years later. Um, uh, uh, but we also see where um, the jailer and his household came to save him faith. Um, and, and by the way, this, this church was birthed under heavy persecution. And Paul's got this beautiful, he's got this heart relationship with, with, with this church. And, and when he says in the first verse, as we will look at Paul and Timothy, uh, you know, um, Paul uh, was there and, and so was Timothy. And as we'll look at that in a second. So uh, just a little bit of a background on, on the purpose of this letter. Uh, this letter is meant to make us healthier and joyful. And they both go hand in hand, you know. Uh, let, let, let's let's understand something. You know, to bring joy to the body of Christ. Where I'm not saying that you come in just smiling all the time. I'm not saying come in and do a, one of those dances. We're saying your joy in the Lord is revealed, and we will see that the joy in Christ. Someone comes in and is always angry and just just angry. I don't know about you, but does that bring joy to your heart? Can that be healthy for you? Is it healthy for you if I walk in grumpy all the time? So, well, let's have a look what the scripture says. So, I entitled this um, a joyful, healthy church. I, I didn't know what else to say, but this is the beginning of a joyful, healthy church. And I've just got two points. One, joy and health in the church begins with a relationship with Christ. And two, joy and health in the church is expressed in a relationship to others. We cannot have a healthy church and be separate. doesn't work. It's unbiblical. So we'll look at that. So we're only going to look at the greetings of Paul. Let me tell you something. That's very easy for people just to read Paul's greetings and just glance over them and move on. Well, we're going to find really good gold nuggets in his two verses at the beginning of Paul's greetings. So if you're in Philippians, read with me, and we look at the first point, the first two verses. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ, in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul names Timothy there, and as we'll look at Timothy in a minute. But in these two verses, it will be good for us just to have a little bit of a background to understand joy. Is to understand Paul. It will suffice for us to understand a little bit about Paul, who Paul was. Let's understand this. So we understand how joyful this man actually really was. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Saul, before he became Paul, of course, before he became the apostle, he imprisoned and he beat the church. The apostle Paul, before he became the apostle, he dragged believers from house to house. He breathed murderous thoughts. Paul approves death of saints involved in the first approving of the first martyr, Stephen. Paul before he became the Apostle Paul, he was a slanderer, a blasphemer, one who would cause damage to the body of Christ. And when Paul, on the road to Damascus, he, met, he meets Christ, he's rebuked by Jesus, he has this epiphany of Christ, he's then converted, he obeys, he's converted, chosen to preach the gospel, and he's filled with the Spirit of God and ready to serve. And after his conversion, Paul proclaims the gospel, the gospel of Christ, immediately. Yes, three years he spent in Arabia, I think, for the Lord. But he went to the synagogues. He went back to the people. He went right back to the people who were actually his brothers in the flesh, and says, no, Jesus is the Son of God. And this Paul, we are told in 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians, Paul worked hard for the gospel. Paul is imprisoned for the gospel, as this is one of his 
prison epistles, Paul was beaten and left for dead for the gospel. Paul was shipwrecked, and Paul was in frequent dangers, and Paul was facing hardship, and Paul was concerned for the church. And God grew Paul from pride to humility. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. And here he is, this man now, who was a persecutor. He says, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I and Timothy. And Paul himself didn't even see himself to be so high to be called actually even an apostle. He says, For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle in 1 Corinthians 5 9, because I persecuted the church of God. He introduces himself as a slave. It's a, it's a part of Paul's humility. Yes, they knew Paul, but it was Paul showing his humility. In Ephesians, we read about Paul. He says, to me, the very least of the saints. He calls himself the least of the saints. Now, I believe that has an impact in our lives. We need to understand this, that when Christ comes and touches our lives, he changes our lives. Paul never forgotten who he was he never forgotten what he did he 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 writes it here in in chapter 3 if you're in philippians where he speaks about in verse 4 about himself for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of god and the glory of christ jesus but although verse 4 i myself might have confidence in the flesh if anyone has uh, mind to put confidence in the flesh. I find more circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. He goes on like this. And constantly in his letters, Paul says these things about himself. And I believe that God humbles Paul as he actually reveals to him what I saved you from and who you were. And he says this, my dear Philippian friends, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you, bondservant, there are two ways to understand bondservant. One was a person, because bondservant, by the way, there that word there in Greek is doulos, which means slave. And there are two types. One was free. One would actually go and serve into a person's home, and whatever he did, he worked, and he would go home. There are times, actually, in Exodus, where a person will go there freely and work for perhaps six years, and they will let free. That's one of the slaves. But that's not what Paul had in mind here. A slave was bought at a marketplace. And when he was bought in the marketplace, the one who bought him owned him. And the one who purchased him, he became the the purchaser's possession. The slave was now the property of his master. The slave now that was bought, he belonged to his master. The slave that was bought was totally devoted to his master. He belonged to his master 24-7. And he relied on his master 24-7. The slave now existed only to bring satisfaction to his master. But this slave loved his master. He loved his master. In Exodus, you can read it for yourself, 21, and if a master was set free, a slave, the slave will go. But if the slave came back because he loved his master, that will bring him to God and that will nail his ear to to the door. To say he belongs to me now. And it became a wonderful relationship between the master and the slave. But that slave, all his desire was for his master and his household. The slave now was to please his master and to bring him joy. The slave's whole life was to fulfill and to serve his master. He lived for his master's will. The slave now was devoted to his master. And he had no other master. That's what Paul is saying here. He's humbly presenting himself as this kind of slave of Christ. 
I belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus brings him joy and Jesus brings you joy. Most times when we think slave, we think it's negative. But Christ brought, he bought us from the slavery of sin. We belong to the world. Our master was the devil. And Christ bought us from that. And he brought us into his house and said, you now belong to me. Moses was called a slave of God. Joshua and David and James and Jude and the prophets. And guess what? You Christians are all called slaves of God. You're called slaves for Christ. You say, well, how does that help me to be joyful? Are you in Philippians? Turn to chapter 2. And I want to share with you. When we're talking about being slaves, how does this actually apply in the church of Jesus Christ, in saving grace in this little, little church, to grow us in the joy and the health together? Chapter 2, verse 7. That he emptied himself, that is Jesus, taking the form of a slave. Do you get that? Jesus took the form of a slave being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Listen, this means that we could not be closer in bearing the image of Jesus Christ whom we desire to bear than to be a slave. You, you want to reflect Jesus? You want joy in this church, brethren? Then you must be a slave of Christ. And your desire ought to be to satisfy your master. Not at home. Not by yourself. Within the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. He is not a slave master. He's not a cure joy. He is joy. Jesus is joy. Joy and the health of the church is not measured by how much finances you give. It's not measured by how many people are actually in this church. It is not measured by how many Bible study we actually attend. It is not measured by how many books I read. It is not measured by how much information I actually retain. The joy and the health of God's church and Saving Grace Bible Church begins with servanthood. It begins with servanthood. And if we desire to have a joyful, healthy church, if we desire for Christ, to be magnified in our midst, if we desire for Jesus and the gospel to be preached to the ends of the earth, let me tell you and give you a little thing for you, brethren. It belongs, it begins with each and every individual who have committed themselves to Saving Grace Bible Church. It begins with you. It begins with how much you see yourself as a slave of Christ. Because Paul saw himself and Timothy as slaves of Christ and he is in prison for the gospel. He's been shipwrecked. Everything is happening to him. And he's, are you serious? I'm a slave of Christ. I am a free man in this prison. Brothers and sisters rejoice. The word of God is not bound. I am not in prison. Sure, I'm chained to this man. I sometimes wish Paul was alive and I will grab all the unbelievers here that have not actually come to saving faith and chain them to Paul. Because these people had no, no choice, no chance to get away from Paul than that Paul to give them the gospel. That's rejoicing. We've got it all confused. We think joy comes with good clothes and good home and good kids and my wife has to be good and my kids have to. No, 
If you do not become a slave of Christ, then where is the health and the joy in this church? That's your first point. If we want to be healthy in Saving Grace Bible Church and have joy, that depends upon every one of us how we see ourselves. Do we humble ourselves? Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death. I'm not saying for you to go and die or you can save somebody. No. But that's service. You see the need of others above yourself. So look back at verse 1 and we can begin our second point, which is it goes on a bit longer. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. Bond servants of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul identifies himself as a slave of Christ with Timothy. All right, With Timothy, we know you can read this for yourselves. I can give you the verses even later. Timothy becomes uh, Paul's son in the faith. Um, and P- uh, Timothy, when Paul met Timothy, he was already a believer. Um, Paul, uh, Timothy was given the gospel by his mother and his grandma, and his father w- was an unbeliever and Greek, but um, he s- began to to be Paul's companion and Paul's brother and, 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 and Paul's disciple and fellow worker. And Paul circumcised him and took him with him. And Timothy was also their present when Paul actually um, planted the Philippians church. They had this close relationship. They had the love for one another. What can we extract out of these things? Some of you men were here yesterday. Discipleship. In actual fact, Paul sees him in verse chapter 2 when Let's understand something. Paul was in prison. And he was allowed to have visitors, and visitors would go there. Obviously, Timothy was going there and visit him. And, and then Paul says in chapter 2, um, verse 19, about Timothy, he says, But I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. But here's what he says about Timothy. For I have no one else like kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. And you see this growth in Timothy, where, of course, later on, Timothy becomes a pastor of the church, as God uh, allows him to, as Paul plans, and he's becoming more and more like the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul is following Christ. And it's a wonderful relationship because of Christ. And, and the very, very core of, of, of having joy and having health within the church is discipleship. It's really crucial to disciple people. In actual fact, Paul, once uh, Timothy was established in his own church, Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy 2 these very words. He says to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You've got four generations, Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. A healthy church is a people who want to be discipled and disciple. You want joy? We must therefore disciple other people. In his salutation, Paul is saying, Timothy, I mean, I can go on about Timothy and give you a whole sermon about Timothy. But let's understand something, that a healthy church, a joyful church, begins with knowing Christ, being a slave of Jesus, and your expression of that, you're not going to keep that to yourself, are you? I mean, if you're growing in Christ's likeness and, his, and being a servant, what good is it if you read all the books in the world and you go home and you're at home and you're discipling yourself in the mirror? What good is it that you learn 
all the riches and all the glories of Christ. And then you keep it to yourself. Every now and then you have a theological debate with someone. But what good is if I'm not going to build someone else up? What good is it if your elders of the church don't build you up? If God forbid will kill both of your elders, who would actually take place? Very crucial, very important. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. And now he says, to the saints in Christ Jesus, to the saints who are in Philippi in Christ Jesus, including the overseers and the elders. Now he's looking at these saints in Christ. So he's talking to people who are in Christ. They are actually united with Christ. They are abiding in Christ. These saints are born-again believers. A true, healthy, and joyful church, brethren, is made up of saints, not unbelievers. Now, we welcome the unbelievers, but guess what you ought to do as a saint? Preach to the unbeliever, so that he may become a saint. A saint means set apart. Paul and Timothy were also set apart. And by the sovereign grace of God, anyone who comes to saving faith is set apart. Set apart for what? To love, to enjoy Christ the Master. But saint also means the Holy One. That means that God has taken you from the evil world, made you holy, made you clean, and set you apart not to be alone. God never set us apart, apart from the world and apart from Christians. No. God set us apart. Saints belong to other saints. My giftedness and my whatever service is yours. It's yours. It's not mine. If I keep it to myself, shame on me. Being set apart, that means you no longer belong to the world and its system. You belong to Christ and his people. Saints have new minds that have new paths and new directions and new affections and new desires and new friends and new dealings. Guess what? You've got a new family. We're not talking physical family where you don't like your brother but you like your other sister. No, this is a family where you ought to love unconditionally as Christ died for her. That's what a saint is. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ becomes a saint. Not like the Catholics, saints. You know, you don't have to wait until you're dead for 300 years and then they put you through a process and say, you did all these good works and all these good deeds. I think he did a miracle. I think he fed the poor and the hungry and they all get together with all the cones on their heads and they say, hey, I think this guy is a saint. No. You become a saint at the day when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You want to be a saint? We are not talking about the saints that the Catholic Church has on the wall where you will do your cross every time you walk in. No. A saint is a child of God. And a saint belongs to the people of God. If you are set apart, you are not set apart for yourself. You will never find that in Scripture. You will never find love one another just on your own. Serve one another. Just do it by yourself. Be together in the body of Christ on your own. Be healthy all by yourself. You won't find that in there. So if our desire is to actually be healthy and joyful, then we need to bring it here. Paul then continues to say to his little saints, let's understand this. So, a healthy church begins with you being a slave of God. It is reflective within the body of Christ. But according to Paul, a healthy church also has leaders. It has leaders. Look, look at your text. As Brother Wes will say, read your text. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers, and the deacons. So now Paul, he's talking about elders, 
overseers or elders, and deacons. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul wrote, And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. Paul wrote to Titus and he said, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I direct you. Speaking to elders in Acts 20, verse 28, Be on guard for yourselves, for the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. A healthy church is directed by God-fearing elders, by God-honoring men. The deacons, of course, or you can read that in the book of Acts in, in chapter 6 and other places, are those who actually make a way for the elders to preach and teach the word of God and look after your spiritual souls. And that will look after money and service and the widow and mills and things like this. Here's what we want to practice here, Saving Grace Bible Church. It's the same thing. This is the model that we're building here in Saving Grace Bible Church. The overseers and the deacons have this task, uh, different from one another, but they are leaders within the church. And these leaders are meant to lead you in Christ, to be joyful in Christ, to grow in Christ. If your leaders are teaching you the word of God, that you may find the fullness of joy in Jesus Christ, and you are not joyful, I'm not sure what to say to you. If you're not joyful, maybe there's something's wrong. But a joyful church that is growing spiritually, it is made up of slaves, saints, and leaders. This is what Paul is saying here in his little thing, that the elders who rule over you, they are the ones who are teaching you truth. From error. We just heard a wonderful little snippet of that from Brother Wes on the penal substitution and the error of anti right. Error. May God have mercy on that man's soul for leading thousands of people astray from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good biblical leadership is crucial for the health of the church. But you, brothers and sisters, have actually a part in that. I remind you that Hebrews says, let them do this joyfully. Let the elders rule over you joyfully. Well, that would be no benefit to you. That's, that's up to you. <laughs> that's your call. And so what we see here is Paul He's giving us a snippet as an application for our souls. But then he goes on to this and he says, look at verse 2. Because without this, we don't have anything. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a way to really write something to someone. Grace to you. That's an expression of love. Paul's desires for the saints to understand the grace of God, to understand God's grace and God's peace. Now, when Paul says grace to you, he did not have in mind just a little thing that we say, God bless you and grace to you to everybody. That you is not to everybody. That you is specifically, plurally done to the believers. So let me tell you what this means. This is not so much talking about grace to come to saving faith this is a grace that is overflowing to believers we need grace to grow right we need grace the grace of god if we don't filter everything through the grace of god then we're just going to become dry robots we need to filter it through the grace of god but let me just stop there for one second okay because everything does begin with the grace of God. 
He says, grace and peace. I want to speak to you right now, to those of you who are not born again. This is not saying uh, grace and peace with God. It's saying grace and peace from God, so we know it's for believers. But for you who are not born again, you are never going to find peace unless the grace of God has saved you. You will never have peace. It doesn't matter how peaceful you feel in your heart unless God has changed you and has taken your heart of stone and he's given you a new heart and now your desire is to worship God, whatever peace you feel is false. You need to come to Jesus and you need to say, Lord, have mercy. Sinner, I am the sinner. And at that point, when you repent and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, only then that grace will come to you. And only then you can say, I have peace with God. But this grace here that, that, that Paul is talking about is like John says in 1.16, the fullness of grace we have received, grace upon grace. And grace doesn't just stop, it's overflowing. Grace is what gives us joy. And Paul wants this church to know this. I want you to know this, that you have the grace of God at your salvation and you can tap in into God's grace 24-7. Now, the grace that Paul has in mind here is sanctifying grace, that we may be conformed more and more to the image of his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. The grace that he has in mind here is the grace that will strengthen us, that we may deny ungodliness and live holy and proper lives in Christ. The grace that he has in mind here is the grace that brings service to the body of Christ so that we can be healthy and joyful. The grace that he has in mind here, it is a grace that will cause you to lovingly obey the things of God. I'll give you just one verse, two verses in Titus. The grace of God appeared, chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, bringing salvation to all men. Fair enough. We're born again, instructing us to deny ungodly and worldly desires to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age and looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that God is putting an amen in your heart because that is joy. Joy is to be servants of Christ and be filled with the grace of God. And then he says, grace to you. This grace is supernatural. It's not from any man. It is divine. It comes from God. And then he says, and peace. Peace. Do you want a calm assurance? Only God can give you that. This peace, like I said, it's not the peace so much of salvation between me and God. It is the peace that God puts in the heart of a believer. It is the peace that God puts in a heart of a believer that the believer will have a calm assurance. He will be restful. I mean, that we need that today. <laughs> I mean, it feels like the world's gone mad. People are running to and fro. What a wonderful thing that we can come together and feel that presence of God, experience that presence and the rest of God in our hearts. Paul wants them to experience it. I don't believe Paul did not have that rest when he was in prison, or else he wouldn't have written this. Paul's desire for the church is to have peace and rest. Experience it, brothers. You don't just read it. You don't just understand it. You must experience it. The grace of God and the peace of God so that you can have joyful, and healthy church. What can I give you out of this, maybe as a way of a little bit more of an application? Can I just start with this? Rest in the Lord Jesus Christ first. Rest in Him first. Rest in the grace of God. Rest in the finished work of that grace of God. 
rest in the peace that God provides to you, brother and sister who are born again. Only God can give you that rest. Rely on this rest in your circumstances. I cannot say that my circumstances are nowhere near what Paul ever went through. But I have the same God that Paul had. And I can have peace and rest and assurance in him. Pray to the Lord, as Paul says in 4.6, and make your petition known to him. But then, can we say this as a way of maybe challenge? Am I a slave of Christ? Was I bought from the marketplace of sin by Christ? Am I a slave of Christ? And if I am a slave of Christ, am I living in his house, this house, where the Christians are joyfully and freely? And am I serving in this house? Because the free servant, the servant who comes back and he says he loves his master, guess what he does? He serves everyone who's in that house. He doesn't serve himself. The master says serve, and he serves. Am I owned by Christ? Is Am I Jesus' property? Am I actually really devoted to Christ? Let's understand something. Not We are not talking individual here. Christianity is not an individual thing. Yes, it is. We, we studied this yesterday. You come to saving faith alone, but you are not left alone. It is a family affair. It is a community project. Am I living completely for Christ within the body of Christ? Am I actually using whatever giftedness I have to serve the body of Christ? Am I making disciples? I mean, Am I a saint? And if I am part of this body, what am I doing to build up this body? If I am a hand, am I giving my hand to my brother who is the arm? Or am I keeping the hand to myself? I come in with my hand and I leave with my hand. Remember, saint means holy and set apart. God says, be holy because I am holy. We are called to be set apart from everyone and everything and to be united together. That will give a good start to a healthy and joyful church. Another thing I want to share with you, not, may God forgive me for this, but not because I am an elder. But how is your relationship with your elders? Paul had a great relationship, not just with Timothy. You'll find other people that Paul had a relationship with. Your elders are there for you, not against you. (laughs) They are there to love you. They are there to guide you. They are there to feed you. And they are there to help you. (sighs) Paul's desire for the church was not to be troubled what was happening with Paul, that he was persecuted, but that they will grow looking at Paul and looking at his trials, and they will grow healthy and joyfully. My desire, beloved, for you and me is to grow together healthy and joyfully. Amen. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that every word that was said from your word will not return to you void and accomplish its purpose, encouraging us to understand true joy begins with us saying, I am a slave of Christ. I belong to Christ. I am his servant. And we cannot bear a greater attribute uh, or servant service, Lord God, than when we reflect Christ, who would willingly and joyfully lay down his life for the brethren. And you say, Father, there is no greater love than this, that man will lay down his life 
for the brethren. Help us, Father God, to acknowledge true joy and health within Saving Grace Bible Church must be rooted and grounded in Christ, in His grace, Lord God, and how we disciple one another, Lord. So please help us, Father, to acknowledge this truth, that your church will grow, not in numbers, but in the joy of Jesus Christ.